You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. Thanks, Ian. Hopefully um, this does build your faith, because I'm actually going to preach on faith. So hopefully this will be a good one. So since, since in the world at the moment, who's heard of a movie called The Avengers? Sort of slightly big at the moment, so, sort of. I've just seen I've got half of you quite excited. The other half have just gone, oh, not more of this rubbish. Um, but don't worry, don't run out. I'm not going to be preaching on The Avengers, um, mainly because it's not biblical. Uh, but if you do go to the Bible, you will find the version of almost the Bible's Avengers. So today I'm actually going to start a mini-series. We're going to have another, I think this will be the third series going at City Edge because um, I worked out I couldn't get this one all done in one preach. So we're actually going to look through Hebrews 11. And for those who don't know what Hebrews 11 is about, it's about, it's about heroes of faith. So the guys that have been um, faithful, who have um, lived and walked that faithful life to God and strive to please him. Not only did they live in faith, but it says that um, they pleased God in the way that they lived. And this, this should be a great image for us to be able to sit our lives on in the faith of moving forward to please God. So I've titled this series, Hero of Faith. Um, so hopefully, hopefully as we work through, this will give us great examples of how these guys lived, how they were faithful to God. And they'll give you insight on our personal faith, helping us to grow in our faith and also our relationship in God. Through this chapter, we'll see we'll bounce back and forth through Hebrews a bit. It's amazing when you start in Hebrews 11 how much it takes you back through the rest of it. It's so insightful about faith. So we'll learn about faith, how it works in our life, how it worked in people's lives, and we'll see examples of how people have used that. Um, so a bit about the word faith. The word faith appears 458 times in the NIV. And the meaning of faith according to a dictionary is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And in the Lemex Bible Dictionary, it sums it up pretty well. Reliance upon trusting God, essential emphasis of Christianity. Reliance upon and trusting God, essential emphasis of Christianity. Well, I think it's pretty spot on. So the writer, the writer of Hebrews, it was originally believed to be Paul, but in recently it's been chrono- chronological debated. So now they're not entirely sure who wrote Hebrews. Most most theologians choose to leave it as the author is unknown. So let's get into it. So Hebrews 11, as I said. It's going to be a series. I would have loved to try to get the whole thing done today, but as I wrote this, I only got through six verses out of the 39-verse chapter, so there's a lot to, to unpack. So we're going to look at Hebrews 11, 1 to 6, to start off with. Sorry, Paul. Just right. You got it? Cool. 
Awesome. <laughs> so now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel bought God um, a better offering than Cain did. By faith he commanded, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offering and by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found could not be found because God had taken him away. From before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So let's start at the beginning, shall we? It's always a great place to start. Um, in verse 1, so the author is writing to the Hebrews. It started the chapter with describing faith. There's a better description, though, in Hebrews 10, what we'll get to in a minute. So in verse 2, he gives a lead-up to some of these guys, some of these heroes of faith. Before, before um, so a lead-up to them, where he commended them for their faith. Their faith in God. Every one of them pleased God. And there was their faith in what they could not see and had faith in God that he knew he was doing. They didn't know... They didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but they knew and they had the faith that God did. I don't know about you, but us as humans, putting our faith in something that you can't see or walking blindly into something where you don't know the outcome of, for most of us, that brings up warning bells. The first reaction would be to try to pull away or try to work out exactly what's going on. Oak Health and Safety these days have put something in place to try to stop this in the human world. It's called a JSA. So basically... Humans try and do a JSA before they walk into something, before they're willing to trust or put faith into something, before they're willing to leap into anything. For example, example, most of us drive, but there's a reason we can drive. We've learned how, how to do it. We know the characteristics of the car. We know that when you push the accelerator, it's going to go. When you hit the brake, it's going to stop. When you turn the wheel, it's going to steer most of the time. Every time you drive, you have faith in that car that's going to act the way that you know it is to act. Our faith in Christ is the same. Faith, without really knowing him and God's characteristics and how God works in every situation, is shaky ground for us. For without knowing, having a personal relationship with him and not knowing how he works, we're looking into the unknown and we struggle to put our faith in. For as soon as we face something we're not sure about, we, we risk our faith being shaken um, as we don't know the outcome. So our faith is built stronger, the better our relationship is with Christ. The better that we know him, the stronger our faith is, what in turn, through faith, gives us confidence that Christ will come through. In faith, God becomes everything we need to walk through every situation. We put our faith in him that builds trust and confidence in all things. God wants us to throw the JSA out and let him take control and take the will of your life. What's cool to me, because we're an electrician, I hate paperwork. So the less of that, the better. All right, what we also see in verse 3 of Hebrews 11 is faith being linked to hope. 
to tie this all together, to get a description of faith a bit more, we're going to go back to Hebrews 10, 19 to 39. There's, there's a certain verse I want to highlight in here, but I'll read the whole thing just to get the insight of the, of the chapter. Um, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through a curtain that his body, and since we have, great, have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled cleanse, cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he has promised, for who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for our sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejects the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that has sanctified them and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, who said it, is, it is mine to avenge. I'll repay and again, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a deceitful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those, um, those early days after you received the light, when you endured in great conflict, full of suffering, Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, and other times you stood side by side with those who were, who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accept the confiscation of your property because you knew that your, you yourselves had a better lasting possession. So that's, that's the verse there that I want to highlight is, is that you suffered in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew yourselves a better and lasting uh, possession. So I'll just finish it. So do not throw away your confidence. You'll be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And by my righteous one, we will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have the faith and that are saved. So that chapter is mainly about um, keeping your faith strong in Christ. But as it's written in 10.34, it talks about, you have suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the conversation of your property because you knew that yourselves that you had a better and lasting possession. The power to sacrifice and love and joyfully accept the seizure of your property, which we just read, can be a description of what faith looks like in our lives. As it says, just before, as I said just before, God wants to take control. He wants to rip up that JSA, our version of how we think we should do things, and trust in Him and go with His plan, giving up our ways of how we should think we should live life and accepting Him. John Piper described faith um, as this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for that is faith 
that is, faith is the confidence that you have a better possession and an abiding one. So faith for us is the hope that we have Christ and that what he has for us is far better than anything we could possibly have in this world. To serve Christ to the full, to serve Christ fully, put your faith in Christ that the first part of your salvation begins with faith. You can't have a relationship with him if you're not willing to believe in him and his plans for your life. I'll go a bit deeper into that as we move through chapter 11. So in verse 3 of chapter 11, we get to a description of faith in our lives and it ties it to the guys that the author talked about in chapter 11. The first two guys set a great description of living out faith in their lives. These guys knew that they had a better possession and that they, um, they couldn't do it on their own and they needed Christ. They needed God. They wholeheartedly had faith in God and understood who God was, which gave them confidence and the faith, which in turn tends to hope. Which not only pleases God, but gives the illustration of faith in our lives, which our faith in Christ not only gives us hope, but makes a real difference in our life. Now, if we look at verse 1 and verse 3, they both have connections with each other. One says, faith is assurance of things unseen. And in verse 3 it says, faith is an understanding of that what you can't see in the world was created by something that you can't see and it's the living word of God. It takes faith from our behalf to put our faith in something we do not know. But when we do, we start to learn about Christ and who he is and we start to understand how he is living. Although the Bible, you can't physically see the words of living, but you can see the physical effect of God's living words in our lives. Because we can, as we grow in faith and relation with God, so we grow. We get assurance that his word is true and life-giving, which turns and builds hope in God and his promises. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirits, joints, marrow. It judges their thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So as we move on, we move to chapter uh, verse 4 of Hebrews 11, where we meet the first hero of faith, and that is Abel. So let's, let's have a look at Abel's story. We've got to go back to Genesis 4, 1 to 7. It says, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to Abel. Now Abel kept the flocks, Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain bought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also bought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favour. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. We might just leave it there. Um, so who is, that? who is Abel? He's Adam and Eve's second son. He was a shepherd for their family. But why is he a hero of faith? Why is he mentioned in chapter 11? So in verse 4 to 5, the Lord looks at Abel's offering with favour, but Cain's he did not. But how is that representing being a hero of faith? 
So some background just before I explain this, this chapter. Adam and Eve had just been kicked out of the garden. Uh, mankind have fallen. We just got kicked out of the garden where they're living in God's presence to a place where we've been removed from God's presence because of our sin. As we get to the chapter of Cain and Abel, this is the first mention of people coming back to worship God after the fall. God, when he removed us from the garden, he required a sacrifice to be able to come into his presence and worship him. He can't be around sin. They needed a sacrifice to be able to worship him. The sacrifice carried out was a confession of sin that led to a removal of sin and a professional of faith in a redeemer. In our case, that's Christ for us, but in their case, it had to be done through sacrifice and faith. So what made Abel's sacrifice better than Cain's? The key in verse 4 of Hebrews 11 says by faith he was conde- uh, condemned as righteous. But why is Abel's sacrifice better than Cain's? Um, for that, to get some more insight, we're going to go to James two fourteen twenty six. What says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Such faith saves them. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of them you say, says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But if someone says, you have the faith, I have the deeds, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith with my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe it, at that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteousness by what they do, not by faith alone. These verses talk about another hero, um, but we'll get to that during the series. But what I want to get out of this is that faith without action and actions together is useless. Just having faith but no, not action, not allowing faith to change the way you are, is useless to God. In the same way, actions without faith is also useless. For example, doing church for the sake of doing church. Yes, you're doing all the good things Christians are meant to do, but if you don't have faith, what's the point? We're not truly being faithful to God if you're only giving one area of your life. If we, if we have all action but don't have a relationship with him, or if we have faith but no action, we haven't grasped what God, who God is and what he is teaching us. No relationship with God. We can't please God without our relationship with him. And that's the difference between Abel and Cain's offerings. Abel's offering was done with action and faith behind it, which was pleasing to God, where Cain's was all action and no faith. For example, like us doing communion. If we do it in faith and action, that's pleasing to God. It's also strengthening our relationship and making us right with him, like Abel's offering. Compared to if we take communion and not recognising and making good with God, it just takes... We just do it because everyone else is doing it, which the Bible warns pretty strongly against. It's like Cain's offering. It's not just what we do that matters, but how we do it.
Do we have the faith in God or are we looking for our actions to save us? We put our faith in ourselves or the faith in God? We go deeper into that as we move forward as well. So in verse 5, we meet our second character, Enoch. Now, Enoch, there's not a huge amount about Enoch in the Bible. There's a little bit about him in the genealogies in Genesis, so we'll look at that. Um, but he is one of the ancients that was commended for their faith in verse 2. So let's have a look at Genesis 5, 21 to 24. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch lived faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Although Enoch lived a total of 365 years, Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. So starting at the top, Enoch was the son of Jared. Um, and he was 65 when he had his first son. Can you imagine being 65 these days and having your first son? Can you imagine picking him up from school and being told that grandparents' day is not for another month? But luckily for these guys, they knew how to age well. The 65 is our new 21. <laughs> back in there, so back on topic, so Enoch walked faithfully with God for 300 years. Being that we have faith in God and that his word is living and true, when it, start, when it states that Enoch lived faithfully, it means that he had 100% faith in God. Uh, through that faith, it... It led to a real conformity to God and living in a communion with God and a personal relationship with God, which God is all calling us to. As well, as well, we need, need his faith. All we need is faith. Enoch did not have a one-way relationship with God, but he had an intimate relationship with God. The only, that only can happen when we have faith and the starting point of our lives. And there is, and that is why he's a hero of faith. He walked out his life in faith in God and demonstrated that what Hebrews 10 talked about, about faith, he knew that he had a better possession and demonstrated that, the way we should live and having faith in God and walking with God. Another blessing from God for Enoch's life that we see from faith was that he's one of only two people that are recorded that hasn't experienced death. And that's a pretty cool image of not experienced death. One minute here, the next year with Christ, no middleman. So how do we tie this all together? Let's go back to Hebrews 11 and pick it up in verse 6, which reads, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So looking back at the first couple of guys and their stories, what's one thing they have in common? The one thing is that they're both mentioned to have pleased God. Abel, by his offering, pleased God, and Enoch, by walking faithfully with God, pleased God. So the author has given us two examples of guys that pleased God with faith and the faith that they had in their God. Because he says in verse 6 that it is impossible to please God without faith, so Abel's offering must have been better than Cain's because of Abel's faith. And Enoch walking with God had to be by faith because God, because he pleased God. Enoch pleased him so much that he took him back to be with him. These guys are mentioned in this chapter not because they are higher and better than everyone else, 
but because they walked faithfully and faith changed their actions from being self-righteous to glorifying to God. And that's what we see in the first, first couple of guys. Living in faith was a step which opened up other aspects of their lives. Everything started with faith. After all, how can we put our faith in something that we don't believe in? Putting, or something that we don't understand. For example, we've all been for life, we've all had exams. We all know how much we hate them and how much you've got to study for them. But if you had a massive mass exam coming up and you needed 100% to pass and all you had learned throughout the year was how to write hello on your calculator, then how much faith would you have in yourself to pass that exam? In the same way, if we are only faith with God on Sunday and the rest of the week we're living, faith, living with faith in ourselves, do you think we're pleasing God or living faithfully? Are we growing in our faith or are we just growing in ourselves? As it says in verse 6, believing that he exists is the first part. When we are saved, we've got that part worked out, great, but that's like writing hello on a calculator. We're saved, what's awesome, but that's not the end of that verse because if we keep reading, it has a very important word, and that's and. We've got to make sure that we just don't read um, those who believe he exists as the ending to faith because the next part is, is part of faith was earnestly seeking him. Like I said before, it's hard to have faith in something that we don't understand. If we, and if we leave our faith we just that we believe in Christ and not get to know him, then that leaves us on rocky ground. As it says, in, as we read before in James 2.19, um, You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So belief and faith is the first step. So what I'm saying, better saying better understanding in God builds our relationship with him and gives us confidence in every situation we face because we know God's character. We know the way he's going to move. We know the way he's going to act, the way he is. What ends up leading us to a stronger faith because we know the God that we have faith in. Because we understand who he is, and we have a relationship with our Father. We understand the way he works by learning his word and living, and that his words are living. That is what it means to earnestly seek him. It says that he rewards people with faith, just like the way Abel and Enoch were rewarded in pleasing God because they had faith in who God was. They weren't afraid to lay down their lives. They knew they had a better possession in God, which is commended for in verse 2. So the best way to build faith and relationship in our lives is like what Ian's going through at the moment, is our spiritual disciplines. The disciplines not only build your faith, giving you a stronger faith, but it also builds confidence and brings you a deeper relationship with God and to understand who God really is and his characteristics. What is not only good for us, but it is pleasing to God. But what pleases God by our faith? That's the next question that we need to answer. Why is he pleased when we are faithful? And we find the answer in verse 6 where it says we must believe that he exists. God is pleased with us when we are faithful because, number one, we're acknowledging him that he is real. It pleases him when we live in the faith and grow in him, acknowledging that he is who he says he is and that we accept God for for this 
He is pleased when we reflect his character through our life, which comes from having faith in him and having a relationship and knowing uh, knowing when we live in the way he has called us to, to reflect him, and that pleases him. The second part of verse 6 about why we're pleased, why he is pleased when we are faithful, is that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The best way to describe this, I read an article from John Piper, behind the assertion that God is rewarding is the fact that God is so full, so complete, so self-sufficient that he overflows. Rather than needing our services, he is like a never-ending spring of life, an energy and a joy, a beauty, a goodness and a power. Therefore, it pleases God when we come to him in a way that affirms this and delights in it, when we come to him as a rewarder. I think that statement sums up God pretty well, as a rewarder really well. So to sum up the first six verses of Hebrews 11, faith gives us the power and the ability to approach God with confidence because we know him through the faith and we put trust in him, in who he is and he is our rewarder. It all comes from him, not from us, having the faith to lay down everything, everything ourselves to the faith in the one who never changes. This type of faith pleases God. And our, action, our actions with this faith are done not for our own glory, but to bring him glory. We display through our actions who he is and who he always will be. We display his beauty, his excellence, the way that we live, the way we display his rewarding nature as something that only comes from him, not through us, through faith. Through faith in him, we re- represent him and we walk in his truth. So, to, to add all these, the first part of these six verses together, it's hopefully the first part is have faith. The next part is um, it is impossible to please God without faith. The only, only with faith will our obedience be pleasing to God. Like in Cain and Abel's case, one was done with obedience, the other one was done with faith and obedience. Which one was more pleasing to God? And with Enoch, who walked in faith, which was please, which pleased God, so he must have, so he must have had the action with his faith. So we're going to dive a bit deeper into a lot more heroes as we move through. That was a bit of a, just an introduction to the first six verses. So next time I preach, we'll dive into that. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.